0: What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada sports betting podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, our Don't Look Back in Anger segment returns as we look back at the 3M Open and how some of the new wave golf betting theories we discussed last week worked out. Then it's time to talk about the intrigue in a pair of golf tournaments this weekend, We'll sprinkle in some MLB bets for Wednesday, and the debut of a new weekly segment as an old sports media friend Ted Ballantyne joins me to talk about sports the old-fashioned way. It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to The Window, I'm your host Matt Russell. Even if results weren't ideal, it feels good to say this. We start where we normally do, with Don't Look Back in Anger. For those new to the show, Don't Look Back in Anger is our reflection on the previous days, the previous weekends, events, assessing what went right and what went wrong. Finding commiseration as a community and hopefully more celebration in winning bets and more importantly uh, what we can learn from what happened so we'll do a full recap in major league baseball like a full week's recap on thursday so for this episode we'll just sort of focus on golf in don't look back in anger from the past weekend and of course we'll look ahead to this coming week so over the past weekend we were interested in seeing a couple of different things one did our live betting strategy over coming into the tournament with an established card did that work like what were the pros and what were the cons of the way we did things and so the cons let's start with the negative were we swung and missed with a handful of top 20 bets and that was what we did sort of before the tournament started and in a lot of ways, it sort of proved the theory that pre-tournament betting does sort of seem like it's not the best way to move forward. Now, had a couple of those guys made the cut and got themselves into the top 20, as certainly a ton of golfers did who were in that 100 to 200 to 1 you know range, including the winner. Michael Thompson, you know, if a couple of those guys get into the top 20, then, you know, obviously we're singing a bit of a different tune. Or on the flip side, if I had picked out a couple of those long shot guys that did get into the top 20, uh, we'd be singing a different tune. As far as the live betting is concerned, we ended up with three guys who were right in the mix. On Sunday, we had good prices on Max Homa, and we had a really good price on Harris English, and we had a extremely um, live shot with Charles Schwartzel. Uh, unfortunately, all guys came up just short in the case of Max Homa, really just one putt a couple of inches away. Uh, Schwartzel and Homa did get in on the each way in the top five. Unfortunately, they were one shot away from getting clear of a pretty massive tie for third that chopped up the pot pretty considerably. So that was just kind of a drag from that standpoint. Uh, never would have thought to bet Charles Schwartzel before the tournament started. So to get him at 25 to 1 Uh, when he was, what, one, two, three strokes off the pace about halfway through the tournament uh, was really, really good. I think that was mispriced and a really good example of how in the live betting there can be some significantly mispriced guys who, again, because golf is so finicky in a lot of ways, you know, you, you don't expect Charles Schwartzel to be involved before the tournament starts, but if you see signs that he's feeling it, that he's got his game, then, you know you're never going to get sort of an accurate price on a guy like that because his results don't necessarily indicate a guy who should be in contention or who you can rely on to stay in contention however when he is in contention you know he does have the talent to stay with it unfortunately second hole on sunday double bogey for him and he was sort of playing from behind the rest of the way uh, made a handful of really long putts to get himself back into sort of the winning mix and into that top five zone uh, but again sort of just one shy of having a really really nice result uh, as we would have had Schwartzel at uh, at about six to one I believe to uh, be in the top five. Uh, we talked about Tony Finau and understanding that Tony Finau is not going to win the tournament and yet again despite for all the world like it looked like he could that he might he didn't and he was a couple of shots off of the first round lead um, at one point sort of in the clubhouse tied for the first round lead and little did we know the Michael Thompson show was just getting started as Thompson ended up grabbing that first round lead Uh, along with Richie Wierinski those two guys sort of got out and were the rabbits Uh, and Thompson held firm and you know you don't expect a guy who hasn't won in six or seven years to show out the way he did always sort of expected that he'd fold especially off to a bit of a shaky start on Sunday Uh, but he didn't so we tip our cap to him and that's that's betting right you don't you know you can't account for everyone, uh, and there was certainly no accounting for Michael Thompson, definitely all quiet on the Western front when it comes to uh, sports betting uh, Twitter <laughs> nobody claiming that they ended up hitting on Michael Thompson uh, so a little bit of a different week over the over the first what five tournaments where you know somebody always had somebody uh, with everybody coming up with their super deep golf cards so all in all, um, I think the system works, I think, a little bit less in terms of top 20s before the tournament starts. I say that like I don't have a bunch of top 20s all lined up here for you for the tournaments this weekend. And I say tournaments plural because we are looking at two tournaments and you might be focused uh, and nobody would blame you for the FedEx St. Jude in Memphis, TPC Southwind this weekend, but because that's a limited field, there's also a second tournament and that's the Barracuda, which is uh in Reno, I believe. So we're going to briefly talk about both of them in conjunction together. And why the FedEx St. Jude is particularly interesting of course this week is there is no cut, right? Limited field event, just over 70 guys playing and no cut and so for me as much as we've talked about you know pre-tournament betting not making a ton of sense and in part because you can lose guys so quickly right and we had that example with yet another disastrous round for dustin johnson on thursday right favorite of the tournament was out by you know 11 a.m on thursday and which is of course a perfect example of sort of you know why we kind of want to take a more wait and see approach while sacrificing some of the odds uh, that we might be getting on some of these guys and this time around we don't have that circumstance everybody's playing four rounds there's no cut which means there's no chance of necessarily completely losing somebody uh, on that first day right so You've seen over the course of this entire restart, plenty of guys making the cut on the number and being in contention come Sunday, even if it was, you know, a couple of shots back. So we'll take a bit of a more aggressive approach pre-tournament, but if you want to stick with the, you know, sort of system that we're kind of working with here with the live betting, that's definitely what I'm going to do. So... Again, grain of salt this a little bit because everybody can stay in it for the entire tournament. So what I've got as far as top 20s is uh, starting at the back end, Sean Norris, 14 to 1, and Jazz, Jenna I don't know if I got that right, but it's always worth a try. So Jazz and Norris are sort of the way back at the end guys who, you know, at 14 to 1 are... Are value in sort of numbers only in that they are capable of finishing in the top third of this field uh, not going to happen a ton of time but you know a ton of the time or at least a, better than you know at 14 to 1 odds there's a better chance of them actually bucking their head for a weekend and getting into that top 20. So, 14 to 1, I think there's decent value on both of those guys. Then we get into sort of the more realistic plays. Christian Bezudenhout, I don't know why I'm picking all the guys whose last names are as difficult as possible. Fortunately, they get easier the rest of the way here. Uh, Plus 400 for Bezudenhout, and he uh, has had some really good results over the last uh, little bit here. Underrated player. Uh, Next up, same odds. Palmer Ryan Palmer of course you've seen him on the leaderboard over the course of this restart he's playing really good golf not a guy again that I would expect to win but in a top 20 at four to one certainly a play there we're making a return to the well with Max Homa this week uh, plus 333 three, three for Max to be in the top 20 uh, I think he's you know if you, even if you asked him he wouldn't say you know there, it's there's any sort of concept of finding anything so I won't say that he's found something but he's just playing really good golf and mentally uh, has you know that has been an issue and he would say that and he has said that anybody who's checked out his podcast get a grip it's really really good really good insight from a likable PGA Tour player Um, And he talks about how, you know, confidence and the mental game is a major issue for him. And he's improved on that a great deal recently. So at plus 333, giving him four full rounds, um, he can play with anybody out there. And, you know, certainly all it may take is one or two really decent rounds. To you know be in that top 20, whether he contends, that's of course a different story uh, and we'll play that by ear. Uh, and then as far as the top guys, uh, Sergio Garcia at plus 200 and Adam Hadwin plus 260, obviously top level ball strikers uh, for the tournament this weekend, um, two guys who you know have made appearances on leaderboards uh, over the course of this restart. And I think they're both playing really good golf and at a plus 200 to finish in the top 20, you know, if you if you pretended for a second that all of these golfers were equal, right, and you were really just looking at a sort of one in three chance to be in the top 20, given how short this field is, obviously, it's a little bit worse than one in three. So getting Garcia at sort of better than just standard average, and of course, same thing with Hadwin, I think there's value there in the top 20. Uh, first round leaderboard, again, these are guys who in a different world, I would bet for the entire tournament, but because of you know the sort of system that we're trying, where we're focusing on live betting winners later in the week, these are guys who, again, if I bet them for the full tournament, um, you know, I'd be happy that they jumped out in a big way in that first round. So we're going to take a shot with five guys here. Garcia, of course, at 50 to 1. Gary Woodland, I think there's value at 40 to 1 for him to have a big first round. Uh, we may have, as a collective, forgotten about Webb Simpson and how great he was playing in those first few tournaments in the restart. He's 30 to 1 to have a big first round. Uh, and then there's Victor Hovland at 33 to one to lead after the first round, and the final one, the most controversial of the group, and this is strictly a numbers play. How bad is he actually injured? How bad has you know his play in the last three rounds really, you know, framed how we see him going forward, especially after winning uh, previous to that, and of course I'm talking about Dustin Johnson. 33 to one, probably the best number we'll ever see in our lives on Dustin Johnson. Like I said, is he really hurt? Is he really bad all of a sudden? Or is that just sort of a blip on DJ's radar at, you know, a couple of really different courses? Uh, the one, in th- the 3M in Minnesota, you know, is that necessarily a course that he knows all that well? Obviously there was the issue of sort of tin cupping it on, uh, on one of the holes where he just kept putting it in the water and trying to make the shot over the water, and he just couldn't get it done. I personally think he probably just, you know, after doing that, he was probably like, I'm done with this. Uh, and then as far as Memorial was concerned, you know, tough, tough course, especially for a guy who bombs it the way DJ does and can get a little bit erratic. This course at TPC Southwind certainly favors him. He's won this a couple of times and had a couple other top tens along the way. So, you know, not going to make a full tournament investment in DJ necessarily, but who's to say he couldn't turn this thing right around and have a really big round at a course that he's incredibly comfortable at. So beyond that, uh, essentially we're just going to be again looking for live plays throughout the tournament after round one, after round two, and really within round one and within round two to find different guys who we think are playing pretty well, even if their score doesn't necessarily indicate it. Um, And then of course on Saturday and Sunday guys who are fully in contention, you know, if we haven't sort of gotten a handful of guys sort of the best thing that we were able to do on Sunday with Uh, harris english max Homa, and charles schwartzel is not have to really worry about any investment in anybody else because we had sort of three of the top six horses in that race and of course the ball didn't necessarily bounce our way fully for that um, but again didn't really need to analyze the odds uh, on sunday all that aggressively uh, because we had sort of those guys in the mix And, of course, because there's 75-odd guys who are at the FedEx St. Jude, that means there's another tournament uh, over in Reno. And this is really more interesting than it's kind of ever been because of the fact that we've been watching so much golf and so much sort of second-tier tournament-type stuff that we're we have a better feel than we normally would for some of these you know second tier guys some of the obviously the guys who are going to be at the barracuda who didn't qualify you know high enough in the world rankings to be at memphis and so we're going to take a few shots here nothing crazy and nothing you know not nearly as many golfers in this situation as we did for the wgc uh but emiliano grillo uh really good effort uh, over this past weekend Uh, i believe got in that top five as well i mean half the town got in for the top five at that point um at 30 to one he's an interesting play cam davis also played some good golf over this past weekend 40 to 1 and robbie shelton had arguably you know i guess next to adam long the best fry or the best final round Uh, Of the tournament, the 3M. Uh, He's 75 to 1 uh, at the Barracuda. And Seamus Power, who has sort of popped up on leaderboards over the course of the restart, he's at 80 to 1 in a lesser field event. All of these guys are interesting plays for the top 20. I've also included Sahithi Gala, who is a guy I tried with last week. Um, to see if he could you know get in there and get into a top 20 type spot he missed the cut um, after actually a pretty decent start Uh, their top 20 numbers Grillo plus 162 and Cameron Davis plus 175 I fully expect those guys to be in the mix Um, Robbie Shelton again plus 300 because of sort of past results but if he can keep whatever he's got going from the 3M plus 300 is a really interesting number for him to be in the top 20 and From a value standpoint, I think Seamus Power plus 550 is, in a weird way, the best value on the entire board for him to be in the top 20. And plus 600 for Sahithi Gala is the number as well there. Um, Won't be following that one necessarily as closely uh, as I'll be watching the FedEx St. Jude, especially considering we've got... You know, of course, Major League Baseball, NBA starting up on Thursday night, NHL, of course, starting up on Saturday. So all very exciting stuff. Um, Of course, we'll have NHL game plays. Hopefully you have caught up and, uh, you know, struggled through three hours of NHL playoff betting content. Uh, We did a two-part podcast, me and Chris Abbott. Um, really fun to do breaking down the numbers behind all of these teams and where there's you know statistical value uh, with the teams. Uh, but we'll get into the games on Friday. Uh, Thursday, we'll start with some NBA stuff and like I said, we'll do a full sort of week, Uh, a week that was in Major League Baseball, you know, that can be arduous to kind of go through on a day-to-day basis. Um, But we'll kind of go big picture uh, on that. Uh, As far as Wednesday's action in Major League Baseball, I do have six plays on the board here. Um, Nothing all that spicy, to be completely honest with you. Uh, Let's start off with the uh, Blue Jays. Uh, And this is an interesting game here, of course, because the Blue Jays are finally running out their sort of top prospect, the guy everybody's kind of excited about, Nate Pearson. Uh, Guess what, Nate Pearson, you uh, get to look at on the other side of, you know, sharing a mound, so to speak, with Max Scherzer. So a really... tough task for Pearson to kind of keep up with Max Scherzer but I think he can the Nats bats have not yet woken up for this season Uh, and while I fully expect the Blue Jays bats to struggle with a veteran like Scherzer especially considering the Blue Jays lineup is you know sort of young uh, and the wily veteran that is Scherzer of course that's sort of degrading his value um, as one of the best starters in the league but certainly a guy who can fool you pretty easily with that being said I think the under four and a half in the first five innings is the play here. Pearson and the Blue Jays certainly intrigue me at plus 150. I think I would need a little bit more than that. Um, and Scherzer at minus 170 is not a bet I want to make. Um, and, you know, no real reason to test the bullpens either in the, in this game. Uh, you know, you're going to get a... You're always can assume a strong five innings from Scherzer and I think we'll get a decent five innings from Pearson as well Uh, so under four and a half in the first five for that one as far as sides are actually concerned uh, I'm gonna you know we succeeded with Lance Lynn in his first game and I'm gonna take a run at him as well in this one Uh, minus 115 for the Rangers at home against the Diamondbacks of course going up against Madison Bumgarner here so you know that's why this number is so low otherwise Lynn is usually a pretty you know higher favorite uh, against most pitchers Uh, we'll move on to Chicago and Cleveland give me Cleveland uh, plus 105 excuse me uh, for Zach Plesac against uh, Lucas Giolito. Uh, essentially a coin flip game that I think the White Sox, we haven't quite caught up to the fact that the White Sox might not be as good as everybody was hoping this year. Uh, same sort of story with the Reds, I think. And again, talked about this with Chris Abbott in my Major League Baseball preview. Uh, the two sort of block was is could be two hot teams right the white Sox and the reds a lot of expectations for those two teams who have not been good for quite some time uh is it a bit much does it have anything to do with expectations or are we just looking at a completely short sample size here who's to say at this point we don't really know kyle hendricks for the cubs lights out in his first game um really impressive showing think he can keep that going against a reds team that hasn't quite gotten it uh, rolling just yet here so Hendricks at even money I think is worth a look uh, in that spot uh, Brewers and the Pirates uh, back to the well with Brandon Woodruff uh, minus 137 is the number I'm seeing right now on Pinnacle uh, that's the best of it as far as I can see as of this taping Uh, similar story minus 130 for Dustin May and the Dodgers again strange to see the Astros as underdogs the stat from yesterday you may have seen was 88 games I think it had been since the Astros were underdogs and of course they actually did not win so you know Could be a concern to go back-to-back against the Astros being underdogs. That being said, this is a team that is pretty depleted in the pitching staff. Um, Javier gets the start for them today. And with that bullpen being so inexperienced, you know, I think the Dodgers are rightly favored here. And Dustin May was quite good in his sort of fill-in, you know, surprise start Uh, in the opener I believe it was where he was filling in for Kershaw so he's in the Kershaw spot here uh, at minus 130 on pinnacle I think that is certainly worth a play there so those are the five sides and the first five total that I have here Um, beyond that you know I gave a brief look into Kansas City with Danny Duffy over Detroit at plus 110 that's certainly interesting Um, our Boston Red Sox auto fade is um, unfortunately derailed today because Jacob deGrom is on the mound and we would have to be paying two dollars for him Rays and Braves a a bit of a uh, coin flip I should say Um, Morton and Soroka um, both high quality starting pitchers there Uh, Maybe a lean to the under, but not enough for me to necessarily bet it. Um, Baltimore in big trouble against the Yankees with Garrett Cole. Uh, Cardinals and Twins, again, with Hill on the mound. That's a bit of a steep price for the Twins at minus 175. Uh, Same story with the Padres at minus 185 against Johnny Cueto, who looked better than I thought he was going to look. In that opener against the Dodgers and then finally the Mariners and the Angels uh, two teams that I don't really want much of anything to do with at this point in time so we'll sort of sleep through that one uh, potentially literally so that's the story for Major League Baseball and golf and next up we've got a new segment and you know so part of doing a sports betting podcast is breaking down numbers of course it's you know key to the betting element and that admittedly can get a little dry from time to time and we just did two really long podcasts on the NHL and hopefully they were interesting to you because they did create some really interesting number narratives right some conflict with the numbers to the narratives and hopefully that creates value and hopefully we can you know do some damage when it comes to the NHL playoffs but you know when it does get a little mathy it can get a little dry and I completely understand that so I figure you know Wednesday podcast we need a little more levity from time to time so I've invited an old friend of mine Ted Ballantyne to come on the podcast so essentially we can just kind of shoot the breeze a little bit about sports we're going to emphasize the sports element versus the betting element will there be anything enriching from a handicapping standpoint maybe but there's really no guarantees of that uh i'll do my best to try to make him laugh he'll um, be as sarcastic as possible in return um so if we get anything from a handicapping sports betting value it'll be purely by accident so let's bring him in now so here he is ted ballantyne in the first ever edition of tuesdays with ted how are you my friend I'm doing good, Matt. How you doing? Uh, I'm excellent. I think that's the first time I've ever heard you call me Matt. I was fully expecting. It's true. Well, I'm. I don't know if I start throwing Rusties <laughs> around here, is is your
1: listening audience going to get very confused uh, as to what's going uh, on? They're
0: a bright group. Uh, all three of them are really, really sharp characters, um, and I think they'd figure out. <laughs> I think they'd figure out sort of what uh, what you're talking about there. Um, you know, after a little while, anyway.
1: Uh, Well then, Rusty, I'm
0: happy to be on the show. Thanks, pal. Ted and I worked together for a certain national sports media network and oftentimes took what we were covering way less seriously than everyone else, I think it's fair to say. This is true. Although, uh, while we
1: didn't take anything seriously and we campaigned to... Uh, watch, you know, the the Pac-10 as it was back then games as opposed to the NHL games. Oh, we got to fall in love with people like James Harden before anyone else had ever heard of him.
0: Well, it's funny that you mentioned James Harden specifically because... You know, it would, and it would, listen, it would take us a, a lot for us to get sort of stressed out. And I would kind of always want to talk about betting angles, and you would want to so, talk about the sociological implications of the Thunder's late game uh, ball and shot distribution. This is true. So, so that, that, the fact that James Harden, obviously a one time member, which feels like about 100 years ago, by the way, uh, a one time member of the Thunder gets brought up, um, you know, is appropriate.
1: I absolutely agree. And you know what? You told me earlier that I get to possibly spring on you topics that you were unaware of. And I started looking at – I was like, you know what? Let's look at some MBA and let's look at the the futures. And you know what? It was just kind of boring. We'll still talk about it a little bit. But one thing that caught my eye was looking at the um, rookie of the year. And I saw Zion, a plus 500 – plus 900, I should say. Then you got Jaw at minus five thousand, and there's more to it than this. But I want your thoughts on whether or not it's worth it on a flyer Zion, given that
0: his team is chasing down the team that Jaw's on. Yeah, I, at the end of the day, like I know we shut all this stuff down, but like you know that they they they've already voted, right? Like they're not taking into account the games that are happening in in Disney World, right? So. You, they have to vote based on the like what seventeen games that Zion played, and there's certainly yeah. like uh, uh, a <laughs> there's certainly some people out there in the media who are like, yeah, Zion, like he was awesome for seventeen games. But I think they for,
1: they forced him into this whole ordeal that they're doing right yeah, now.
0: Yeah, and like 17's just just not going to be enough, I don't think, for Zion. But obviously, stranger things uh, stranger things have happened. So. You're, you're you're getting right into it. And I love it because I was looking at the NBA Futures too, and it is such a muddled mess. Like, I wanted to do a full NBA preview, and I did a full MLB preview. I did a two-part NHL preview, and I wanted to do a full NBA preview, and it's just like I'm staring at this stuff going, I don't know what to make of it. Like, fundamentally why we're even really doing these regular season games, like, I have a massive sort of issue with, because... I agree. Right? And, like, there is nothing, like, no one loves more pointless games than the NBA. Like, the old, like, find you someone in your life who loves you as much as, and it's the NBA loves pointless games. Like, what Mm -hmm. what drivel that I think we're going to have to deal with here? Usually
1: an NBA playoff preview would be the most boring thing we could talk about because it's just going to be super chalk fest no matter what, right? Like sure. even last year where they went off the board a little bit, you still have a team that wins like 60 games and is the top five team in the league winning. And that was a little nuts. This year though, now who knows? It could all shake out and be the exact same NBA playoffs. It usually is. But this year has a lot more of like, what the hell is going to happen
0: sure. than any other time I remember. Well, and I'm also kind of confused about the literal, like what's going to happen as in like, You know, we've got, (laughs) we've just eliminated a bunch of teams. We only have nine teams in the East. We've got, you know, (laughs) more than that in the West. They're vying for like position. How much are these other teams supposed to care about like, again, these regular season games coming down to the wire? Like, yeah, like, like the Lakers and Clippers, like, what do they care at this point? Right? This idea of teams, and it was the same thing for hockey with the one seed tournament. Like this whole thing is a one seed tournament where it's, we're all just battling out for seeding here in an existence that doesn't include home court advantage. So who cares?
1: That home court advantage thing is going to be so interesting because God, you look at the team, like say the Sixers and hey, listen, I, I'm prepared to talk with the NBA West baby, but just, the Sixers are a team that crushed it at home yeah. all year. And then on the road, they were, atrocious and now we're in this weird neutral site situation i just going into it i have no idea how they even
0: handicap half of these things yeah and ben simmons is a is a a small forward now all of a sudden and yeah like the whole thing is complete chaos and so i'm like it's kind of pointless more than any other sport it's pointless to do this preview because i'm going to need the full like eight game regular season to kind of figure out like where I could even begin with doing a preview podcast, let alone like actually making bets that I could, you know, legitimize at any point in time. So it's totally on the back burner for, from that standpoint, like I'm going to get into, you know, some of the games and whatnot, as far as like trying to anticipate motivations and, and that kind of stuff. But man, like going through the futures market where you're like, you know, these teams like have might have decent value, like a team like Portland, who has all their players back now and you know should be pretty good, right? Like, this is a team that, like, wasn't it just last year they made the Western Conference Finals? Yeah. like that's a team at like 60 to one or something along those lines that should be really kind of interesting. But they might not necessarily make the playoffs based on, you know, you start getting deeper into, like, their schedule and stuff like that like that for the regular season. So, yeah, for me, it's just, like, arm's length at best. And I don't know why we're even having to bother with this stupid
1: eight regular season games either. The eight regular season games is so strange. And it's, it already feels like they're
0: playing too many of these preseason games anyway. And it's just, what, three? <laughs> yeah. It's funny they deploy the scrimmage, too, as if I'm supposed to be able to learn anything from that either – in a sport where, like, the guys play basketball all the time, right? Like, baseball kind of, like, got off and running with around similar levels of of preparation. And this is a sport that alleges that it needs six weeks to get everybody, you know, at the best of times uh, up and running as far as, like, pitchers and, and hitters and their timing and all this and all that, right? And then, you know, hockey, similar deal. It's like, okay, you know, there's no more cardiovascular sport than hockey and it's like yeah we're gonna do one uh, one tune up and then uh then then sudden death time it's like what why is basketball yeah. playing these crazy these crazy scrimmages
1: so yeah yeah i'm gonna be curious how the lines move because you're right because i was gonna talk and i was gonna tell you where some of the teams are but it'll be interesting to see like lakers are 105 right now are the, the favorites yeah where, where that's gonna be after these eight games
0: well, and that's it, right? Because, yeah, you have to, like, you forget mentally that the Lakers and Clippers, I mean, the Lakers and the Clippers at the best times, like, are in the same arena, but now they're in the same arena with literally everybody else. And it's, you sort of have to remember that, you know, battling for the 4-5 seed is meaningless at this point. Like, that type of thing that, like, might have had some intrigue at the end of a regular, regular season. Yeah, you know what made me laugh when you first start, like when you first started talking about how it's pointless
1: betting on these, you know, pre-playoff and regular season NBA games, and I was like, oh, I know what you're getting at. It wasn't the exact same thing I thought, but like when I was looking at what we may discuss tonight, you were talking about baseball. I was like, oh god, like speaking of who knows what's going to happen, I'm like what if we talk about baseball? And then by the time you know we release the pod, just a couple hours or a day later the whole season's canceled. It's well, like absolutely anything's in play.
0: <laughs> yeah, and which is kind of like awesome here, right? Because there's literally n- like no rules. Like we live in a, you know a lawless society at this point when it comes to <laughs> sports, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'd like hopefully I'm only talking about sports, but it's like this lawless society. Like 3 hours before the game start on Thursday, Baseball just goes. You know what? Everybody's into the pool. We're going sixteen teams in the playoffs, and it's you're looking around going like, "What?" Like you're alive. I hope they
1: just keep. I hope they keep making it up as they go along. Like nothing (laughs) would make me happier.
0: So at that point, I'm like, you know, so now I'm feeling like I'm in this world where I can just make up stuff as I go along, and so it's worth mentioning. Like I'm calling this segment Tuesdays with Ted, but this week it's running on a Wednesday because of the two hockey podcasts that are running monday and tuesday and we're full value full full disclosure we're taping this on a monday night so it really has nothing to do with tuesdays
1: yeah and don't worry i'm not going to talk about anything so topical it's going to ruin it for anyone
0: well i like i don't even mind because like all the rules are out the window at this point pardon the pun but you know nothing really matters anymore and people At this point, I think we'll understand if, like, between now and Wednesday morning, like, baseball gets entirely canceled and we have a full conversation about baseball. Like, in a way, it will be nostalgic to to listen to after the fact, you know? I agree. So, like, when was the last time you bet on a
1: baseball game, by the way? A baseball? Oh, well, you know what? I bet on the Jays. Season opener. I took the Jays on the run line, but I did minimal research on this one. Uh, I I figured pretty much all of these games this year are, you know, if they're not to begin with, going to be a bit of a coin flip. So I took the Jays on a run line, which which played out for me. And, you know, looking back at that game, it looks like the Jays are going to blow that lead for the rest of the season. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Except, of course, uh, on this Monday evening when you have action on them. That's true. That's true. Yes. As of, as of Monday at whatever time it is, eight 15, the blue Jays are comfortably ahead and you know, what could possibly go wrong for uh, <laughs> for their bullpen. So, okay. So you're like pretty versed in, and recently bet on baseball. I wasn't even sure if it was this season. I'm not even sure if it was last season. Yeah. No, I, um, I got in. When you flip back to a baseball game that you've bet on, what's the game situation that gives you the least interested reaction? Oh, like if you flip it over and it's like bases loaded, you're like, oh, OK, like here we go. Or obviously, if it's the base loaded for the other team, you're like, oh, crap, like this isn't this isn't going well. Like it's not zero out like nobody on. It's not nobody, you know, zero. out. One oh, you
1: know, what? I'll tell you what it is. Say say, you, you know, it can be hypothetical Jays against Rays. Why not um, mm-hmm. say say I have action on the Jays and I flip it on and say we're just in the fourth inning, even the third, but kind of in the, in the middle innings of the game.
0: Innings <laughs>
1: in specific, say, in, I like it. And say the Jays the are down like 4-1, 5-1. And it's like, oh my God, it's not, like it's obviously not out of the question that things can turn around in my favor. Sure. But it's also like to, to pay attention to this happening is going to be a two-hour investment in a lot <laughs> of unlikelihood. And it's just <laughs> like I'd almost rather at that point it, it would be like 12 to 1 or sure. of course the other way in my favor in which case i'm still probably not watching until the end but it's just when it's like oh my we're just we're almost there and should i keep an eye on this yeah That's, you're almost that there for me like, is the worst case scenario
0: yeah you're almost there but in reality
1: you're like nowhere near there well yeah still it's you get you get like a 1 in 7 1 in 8 shot at that point
0: and i, I can't tell you how many times i've flipped over to a game and it's been like a runner on first with one out which is like the most generic, boring circumstance you can possibly have oh, in sure. a baseball game. Yeah. Right? Because you're like, oh, probably nothing's going to happen here. Right? It's like the microcosm version of like what you're talking about. And it's like, yeah, nothing's probably going to happen here. But I don't know. It kind of depends here with this batter. Like, it either turns into a two guys on base with one out or two out. And I've made it clear, like, I don't usually bet regular season baseball right? Because the grind is sort of just too much for me. And this sort of circumstance that we're in and being sort of, you know, getting to have all the time in the world to prepare for a baseball season when normally I have zero time to prepare for a baseball season. It's sort of strange how much I kind of know going into a season more than, you know, since back in the day of like playing fantasy baseball, which was like, I quit that like a good almost 10 years ago. And so now like I feel like I know a lot about what's going on. So I'm like following along and it's just I then realize like how boring baseball really is as I flip <laughs> to game after game that is one out with a runner on first base, right? It's just like come on. Yeah. Like, every single time. In something. in
1: the, the modern the modern style of baseball. It's it's a little separate point than what you're making. But in the modern style, like the runner on first almost means nothing. Back in the day, you put a runner on first base, and then, you know, some, some things may happen. Even just give you a throwover. But yeah, these days, we're still just going to be throwing some high fastballs. And out or we're going to rip one into the gap. And it's, uh, it's a tough slog, man, to get through a whole yeah. baseball
0: game. Goodness <laughs> yeah. gracious, I probably shouldn't
1: say that on your
0: show. Like, oh my. No, it's fair. Like we're, everybody's aware of it. Like everybody's watching and like God bless the people who can just sit and watch a baseball game. And obviously it helps that there's kind of always like five to ten games going on at the same time. And it's certainly so easy to follow along and it feels like almost cheating because like I'm used to following like twenty five basketball games yep. on a Saturday afternoon. And it's kind of a joke. To follow like six baseball games, oh, dude, which is why be... I end up watching innings that start in my you know from my standpoint with a runner on first with one out because I'm like there's not anything else better going on in any well, of these don't other. Don't you think games. the way to
1: do it for baseball games should sometimes like a fifth inning live bet or something like that because it's it's kind of the opposite of other games where if you're betting it it kind of enhances the excitement the whole way through. Baseball, I feel like if I'm just watching with a rooting interest and I put on the game, and again, it's that 4 1 game in the fourth inning with just a rooting interest. I'm like, oh, this is anybody's ball game. But all of a sudden, you start start splashing some money on games and you get that 4 1 in the fourth. And you know what? You've watched enough to know this, you know, this really isn't (laughs) anybody. This one's, you know, this one's half in the bag. Well, and if you're
0: up 4-1, it's anybody's then it's fantastic. Faulting, but if you're down 4-1, it's over and no one and no team has ever had never come back. Which
1: before. is such a fun psychological game to play because when you're up 4-1, like you're feeling is not like when you're down 4-1, you think oh, this is this is almost over. When you're yeah. up 4-1, you do not want to let yourself feel like oh, we've got this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's, that's the feeling that I try to sort of explain to people when you go, like, okay, if you have a team, right? Like, if you're a Blue Jays fan, like, that's how you feel about the Blue Jays, right? Because you, over the course of 162 games in a season, there's just going to be days where they blow a 4 2 lead in the ninth inning with two out, AKA Saturday, right? And yeah. when you tell people, like, you know, you could start betting on these games, at which point, All of the teams become that team, right? Like every team you're convinced is going to blow the 4-2 lead. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. So we've all had it happen. Have you taken in then the extra innings thing? Because essentially the extra innings thing is baseball going, listen, you're right, folks. The runner on first with one out is criminally boring. Let's just (laughs) skip that guy over to second base let's start with nobody out and let's just play it out from there starting in the 10th inning. I haven't watched one yet. How would it go? Well, it's it's a, it's a wild scene mainly for the totals, right? Because you like first of all a you know, at the best of times, right? A game is never under until it's over, right? Yeah. And in this case, like it's way like that. So I had two games on Saturday that were both 2-2 that went into extra innings and both of them stayed under i won one and i lost the other but uh because the other one i had the over but for sure even watching this over i'm like oh this has a chance because all it takes is that first team in the top of the 10th to get a run in and make it 3-2 and then all of a sudden you go okay well we're starting with a runner on second in the bottom of the inning. And now, you know what I mean? So it's really like, it's really, they're really gonna have to screw this up basically for it to not be three, three. And now we're, you know, like now we're really, we could do that over this whole thing over again in the, in the 11th inning. And yeah, like in, we're going to see some games. Like, I don't know that we're necessarily not going to see any more 15, 17, 18 inning games. Not that we saw a ton of them anyway, which is why this whole thing doesn't really make any sense. But like, it seems – because it's really easy, <laughs> relatively speaking, to score a guy from second base, right? Like, you bunt him over and you get a sack fly and he's in there, right? And that's without even the benefit of a hit. And so the totals – like, I don't know how you can bet an under at this point, right? If you're going to bet an under at this point, it has to be, you know, obviously because of the starting pitchers. And so you just do it in the first five. Like, I'm retired from full game unders at this point. Let's just go ahead and make that announcement for everybody. I am t- baseball retired, unders, absolutely Re- retired. Retired. See, Until I sense a some, I sense
1: game. a comeback coming at some point. No, I'm with you. I'm like honestly, I'm excited to see one. Um, well, excited. Lowercase e. I'm yeah. But I am looking forward to the opportunity to see how this goes. But I think you're right, though. It's to goodness when you're. It's it's almost like um, when college did their new overtime system, yeah. And all of a
0: sudden, you could have an overtime where they score 28 points or something like that oh they could score 50 but like we've seen inc- like incredible overs coming through because of the overtime and that's exactly it because again both these games are 2-2 i had the over in one and i was like i'm not out of this and i had the under in the other one and i like it was just fear the entire time just complete yeah. and utter fear and so i got away with it because i think they only scored i think the it was the Royals and the Indians. The Royals scored in the top and the Indians actually couldn't score in the bottom. But I'm like, this thing could get ugly quick. And I'm just, I, am, I don't have the stomach for it. So, uh, yeah, first five is the only circumstance where you can play an under. Also, in part because starting pitchers aren't going to be going long, right? Like, what starting pitcher goes for a long time anyway? And so, how you can bet an under, you know, if you don't absolutely love the starting pitchers, like, I will. You know, I'll never know. So, yeah, it's overs or nothing at this point. Have you
1: game. noticed that the new reliever mm-hmm. rules? Are they changing how you take action maybe in the live bet?
0: Uh, I think the managers are working it so that it's less noticeable. And I don't mean that because, like, it's like some clandestine plot. It's just that they've had the time over the course of the offseason to figure it out in that, like, you know, because you, you don't have to go three guys if, you know, there's an inning break, right? So it's really only at the start of an inning where you kind of have to worry about that. And I think, and again, so far, just sort of, you know, anecdotally, so far it doesn't seem like there, you know, is a spot where they're like, oh my God, my guy doesn't have it, you know. How's he going to get through two more batters? Yeah, it's just not, that's not really in their plans, right? They've
1: planned around it. I don't even know if 60 games will be enough because I would guess, like, the advantages or perceived advantages anyone was ever getting for the way they were doing, you know, a reliever for one batter were so fractional Mm -hmm. that I I think you'll need a bigger sample size than 60 games even to really see if it's impacting the game drastically. Like, and not even drastically because there's no way it will, but we're we're only going to have a handful of situations where some dudes out there
0: just stranded for a batter or two so yeah yeah, i don't think it's going to make a huge difference because it's going to take two batters to figure out a guy is a complete disaster right and so then it's like you're really only having to deal with one extra batter so yeah to me like it doesn't seem like that is really you know affecting anything and again if it is it's like the managers have already kind of figured it out but for sure yeah tough to say so i bet on the angels Twice already this season, and it's probably yeah. the last time I'm going to be able to do that, because this team is atrocious. Um, more specifically, Shohei Otani, your boy... Yes! Uh, started, <laughs> uh, ...started on Sunday. I think he got zero people out yeah. And, yeah, yeah, was, yeah. and was removed from the game. What's stopping the Angels from keeping him in the game as like a DH or like outfielder at that point? Like If he's scheduled to start... And he only throws like thirty pitches because he gets shellacked. You know, can't we move things around and keep him in you know the what? lineup? I think
1: you sh- I think they should be able to. I think there's some kind of you know basebally rule that if they try to make that switch as to who's the DH midway through the game, they sacrifice the DH. Yeah, yada, yeah. But if yada, he's yada.
0: the DH. Who cares? Or does like then the pitcher have like I don't. It's yeah. It's, you it's
1: know what? It's a good because even this year where there's just only DHs. Yeah, it's, yeah I'd be curious, but it's, you know it's baseball there's going to be some rule, and if I start looking it up, i'm going to be... do baseball rules, and I don't want to go there, but you're, yeah, you're no, probably right because no... it kind of ruins the watching experience when you know this dude getting
0: shelled out there is just kind of half of what we're watching them do. yeah, absolutely, so I've got a couple more baseball anecdotes here, but if you've got yep. anything else, you let me know. Oh, I need um, you to handicap something before we're done. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so, first of all, this isn't a baseball thing, but this is under the um, auspice of maybe baseball has been canceled by the time this podcast runs. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, first of all, like I, I really wish some sports book had offered up like which team will
1: oh like, start of the, course
0: start the COVID run. And here? I
1: just want to say that even when they're not in. Miami like just the Miami is going
0: to ruin all of this for everyone like in society and in sports. It's... Yeah. But how much fun would that have been if like and I should have really like again this is you know hindsight being 2020 But, and I really should talk to my guy, Chris Abbott, over at CoolBet about this. Like, they should have, somebody should have said, okay, like, what's the first team? Like, and I don't know how you'd define it, right? Like, what's the first team to get their game postponed? What's the first team to, like, get more than 10 guys, like, testing positive? What's the first team to, like, pack it in entirely? Like, is that a circumstance that could possibly exist? Because, like, obviously, in theory, each team sort of has its own equal chance to be the offender but like you would have had to like shade it towards right like california teams the texas teams and of course i really think like oh, miami was the probably the going heavy to be favorite. the favorite
1: right yeah miami's like a, they're like a minus 140 in the entire <laughs> league for for first and <laughs> most league. guys the odds on there's like no that, question
0: that horse at the track that is just like twice the size of all <laughs> the other horses and you're like oh i see why that that horse is yeah uh, no doubt
1: no, you're and, totally right. Oh, the Baseball's doing this stupid thing where they're not publishing any names, right? Like it's some type of shame if the dudes get sick.
0: And yeah, they'll give you it, how many. It, it would make, make it difficult.
1: But goodness, I think that would have been a ton of fun. I think other leagues should do it quite frankly.
0: NBA is on the forefront on these things. They should get in on this. I do like the sort of investigation, like mystery type situation that's happening so like we have been watching uh unsolved mysteries on netflix recently still
1: has that creepy terrifying fantastic theme music
0: totally does but here's the thing like i don't like it because i don't care for the unsolved part like i want to know at the end like I'm so used to like narrative television or like true crime, you know, or whatever, oh, see, where yeah, they go but like, this is... yeah, and blah blah blah, like he was the guy who, killed. and I'm like, so we're just never going to know, like that really. I think sucks. this
1: inspired the 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 reboot of Unsolved Mysteries, and probably makes baseball comfortable with doing this the way they're doing, because like the the popularity of true crime podcasts that all kind of end in just an artistic shrug, sure and. That, that is what baseball is doing with who's got COVID now. It's, it's just we'll give you all the information. We'll dig deep. And at the end, ooh, I don't know.
0: But the best with this Marlins thing was you tune over to the Braves series and they're playing the Mets, right? So in theory, nothing mm-hmm. to do with the Marlins. And they're like, yeah, you know, the first game, they're like, well, the two Braves catchers are both out. Yeah, And, of course, they don't say, like, with COVID, <laughs> right? And you're like, wow, that's a real coincidence that, like, the Braves catchers would what be What are the injured. chances? What are the chances of that? And so, like, I'm not super locked in on, like, who the teams were, you know, were playing each other in the, like, pre-season nonsense. And then, like, later we find out that the Braves were playing the Marlins for a two-game series right before the season started. So before even the Marlins just started rampantly tested positive... You know, today on Monday, you've got these Braves catchers that are, of course, within six feet of Marlins hitters way back last week right like that's yeah. obviously has one thing has to do with the other and you're just sort of like unsolved mysteries or like you're actually solving this mystery i suppose but you're like why would the braves catchers get it? it's like oh okay now i understand now now
1: it all makes sense yeah of course. they were God.
0: saddled by having to like stand or sit or squat near the marlins while they were just spewing covid every which way has it
1: been revealed yet who these spit police are in the dugouts? Because these baseball players, I like back in our days when we worked together, there's a few dudes that kind of used to play ball that we worked with, and these baseball savages can't even keep themselves from chewing sunflower seeds and spitting them like into the keyboards at work.
0: <laughs> well, like, listen,
1: who is monitoring <laughs> the situation?
0: And we both live, you and I, with uh, with a medical professional of some sort who this has to go true. to a hospital every day. And I said to the one that lives with me, I said, to Emily, I'm like, after watching the baseball for the first day, I was like, you don't want to see this. This is going to drive you crazy because the like <laughs> mask abuse, like even the people wearing the masks are doing so haphazardly and like breaking all the like mask oh, rules. Oh God. Yeah. Right. No, that only, it's a disaster. I should say only, but like primarily like medical professionals, um, you know, they know everything to, you know, that has to do with the mask and how you're supposed to wear it, how you're supposed to take it off, what you're supposed to do with it. And it's like, okay, I get that they're in a circumstance where they don't have to wear the mask. So it's sort of like, any mask is a good mask in their, in their plot, but it's just going to drive people crazy who are, like, really big sticklers, you know, oh, po- to- One of the
1: first things relatives. I noticed was um, someone got on first base, and I apologize that my details are sketchy, but a runner got on first base, and then the first base coach comes over and starts whispering in his ear, Yeah, but he's just as if he wasn't wearing a mask he was putting his hand right (laughs) on the mask over his mouth
0: that's what I mean like it's stuff like that like a guy had a mask around his neck while he's like catching a ball at second base on a steal attempt and you're like this is the one circumstance where if you're out on the field like this is why you'd want the mask so yeah like I can see why people are getting frustrated about this but I I just get a kick out of it because you know like whatever it doesn't necessarily matter all that much to me Of course, until, you know, so many people start testing positive that uh, all sports get basically booted, which is going to... Well,
1: yeah, this is is the fear. But until then, and I know, you know, uh, things out there could be better. I'm going to enjoy those little things as much as I possibly can.
0: Yes, that's that's fair. So... uh... Let's finish up here with what I think we're going to call it's a little mini segment on top of the macro segment. Yeah, I love it called we're calling it right now and I've got a million di- I've since telling you about this I've come up with a, like a million different other sort of offshoots to it. But for now we're going to call it unanswerable questions. And what that is, is where we each offer questions or concerns. It doesn't necessarily have to be in the form of, question, of a question. It's not Jeopardy, uh, that we're probably not allowed to answer without getting in trouble. So these are types of things you and I would discuss during after work drinks back in the day. And yeah. keep in mind, when I say after work drinks, people at home are thinking, oh, okay, like five o'clock happy hour. I was like, no, after work drinks <laughs> for us were 1 a.m., Like, get to the bar before they've locked the doors and like drinking and ordering pictures of beer. If you need to,
1: if you need to call ahead to get your beer order in.
0: Right. And like, they're giving, like, we're ordering a pitcher of beer while they're stacking stools around us. And, you know, we're three pitchers in that, you know, after starting at 1 a.m. and are just coming up with all kinds of theories about God knows what. So we can't probably necessarily do that on the podcast. So we're going to sort of just essentially bring up the subject and then answer whether or not we can answer it. Yeah. (laughs) We don't even answer it necessarily. You can if you want, but it's really just yes or no. Can we answer it? So I don't know. Do you have anything ready to go? Because I've got one that, um, you know, I think is pretty decent. You go for it. So Trevor Lawrence is... Getting, in, getting engaged, he you know, proposes to his girlfriend uh, on the field, at Clemson, et cetera, et cetera. How bad of an idea is this for Trevor Lawrence?
1: Ooh, you know what? Well, I don't think it's one we're allowed to get into details about, uh, but this is a beautiful, romantic idea right now. As the years go by, it will be just a whole bunch of regret just soaking one of the greatest moments of his life. <laughs> okay,
0: I will simply say he should have probably called Russell Wilson to ask him about whether <laughs> this was a good idea and I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> well done. All right, your turn. Oh, are we going to
1: do my handicapping?
0: Well, whatever whatever you want. Like I can I oh can ask God. you well, I can I- ask you another one.
1: No, I don't know. Well, it's, it's, and I've got another
0: one that's like marriage oriented.
1: Okay. Yeah. We'll save, we'll save my handicapping for next week. Okay. Um, because trust me, it's not coming up anytime soon. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Go with, go with yours.
0: All right. So was marrying Amber Heard worth it for Johnny Depp?
1: Is this (laughs) answerable? Um, you know what? I don't want to speak to the, uh, consistency if you will of the situation but that (laughs) is a hard no
0: not worth it okay wow um i'm i'm gonna say it's not answerable but if it was i still think the answer is yes um (laughs) (laughs) all right i got i got one more for you and this is really this is less sort of sketchy i think we can't answer this but it's worth mentioning i'm playing the the golf course the rock on friday which is a Nick Faldo designed course should Been I there. Yeah. Sh- should I expect completely disjointed course design and numerous allusions to protein shakes while I'm on the course
1: <laughs> I'm not going to tell you which one but 50% of that absolutely yes you should
0: expect <laughs> okay I realize that he does have he is carving a course into essentially rock but I really hope there's some protein shakes out there uh all right do you have anything left for me i am good it's been a pleasure okay so if anyone out there can think of a potential unanswerable question tweet or dm me at mrus authentic and we'll see if we can answer it during the segment in the future next time ted will have a handful of unanswerable questions uh that's it ted how was your podcast debut
1: Um, you know what? I'm going to say that is one of the unanswerable questions. Okay.
0: Fair enough. All right, brother. Thanks for coming on. Talk to you, dude. Always fun to get Ted's take on the world of sports. As for me, I'm at MRussAuthentic on Twitter. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Until next time, I'll see you at the window.